If we can see what's possible, then we can dream it and then do it as well. So we're not going to make any effective change if we're not visible. If you're looking for book recommendation, I definitely recommend Hi, I'm Amy Chikluski, and you are listening to the Tech Legacies Podcast. Welcome to the Tech Legacies video podcast, where every week we feature technology executives and their tips and advice and their lessons and challenges that they faced. My name is Fanny Dunnigan, and I am your host for the episode. And this episode, we are featuring Amy Chakluski. She has been the Senior VP of Technology for multiple, multiple companies. When we were doing research on you, Amy, I was just looking down your, your resume and roster of companies, and it reads like a Fortune 500 list. Um, everything from Nickelodeon to Bottle Rocket, BlackBerry, ADT, Accenture, Walt Disney, and Motorola. So thank you for joining us this week, Amy. Thanks so much for having me, Fanny, and thanks for the kind words. Absolutely. Uh, I always like to kind of start off with asking our guests, what was the best piece of advice you ever got in your career? Absolutely. Well, this like predates my career, mm -hmm. but um, I think the best piece of advice I ever got was from my mom, which was from my grandma, which was, if somebody else can do something, then you can do it too. And I think like that's something that's really stuck through me through with me. Like this has been, you know, being a woman in technology, it's a little bit of a tough journey. There aren't a lot of us and um, constantly like trying to figure out how to blaze your own trail because there aren't that many role models to look up to. And so thinking back on that advice from my mom, which was really from my grandmother, um, I always try and keep that in the back of my mind. Yeah. And I, I always think of it as if we can see what's possible, then we can dream it and then do it as well. That's exactly right. Now, your journey started from being a software engineer, right? And back then, like, I still remember when I was an engineer, it was maybe just 15, 20% women. So how did you develop this passion or interest in software and technology at the beginning? <laughs> so it's so funny. First, I'll tell kind of the end and then I'll go back to the beginning. Please. But like, it's really funny just what you said. When I showed up at the University of Michigan, sat down in my very first computer engineering class, I was very surprised that I was one of only a few women. It really hadn't occurred to me. Um, and so, yeah, that was maybe, there were maybe in a class of about 120, there were maybe 20 women. And so it was really surprising to me. It just, it hadn't occurred to me that that was gonna be the case. But as I look back, like my dad was a, um, he worked in IT. He actually, he didn't have a college degree. He worked at Kellogg's. He worked in the yards and grounds at Kellogg's. So he likes yeah. to tell it that he trimmed bushes and sat with his buddies on the roof and you know got rid of the birds that were causing trouble. So um, they were looking for young guys back in the 50s to um, learn about computers. And they taught him everything about you know the card systems and everything. And um, eventually he ended up with a 43-year career at Kellogg's, um, and he retired. He was a um, senior manager of um, information technology. And so it's pretty neat like, to see that kind of trajectory. And so having that story in my background, like it really never occurred to me that doing going into computers was a weird thing to do. Like yeah. my dad did it. My brother was a database administrator. Like it really just never occurred to me that it was a strange thing to do until I got to college and realized that it actually was a little bit unusual. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that fascinating? Because when you said that, it made me think of my dad and I got my love of math from him. And so it's like these little things that seep into us from our parents 
and then it sparks something from there. Exactly. So you started off as a software engineer at yep. your first company. Uh, what was that experience like? So my very first job out of college, um, I worked at Motorola and I worked on the very first phone that ever had downloadable apps. And I know like that sounds crazy, wow. like phones have always had apps, right? Yeah, no, yeah. they didn't. And um, I worked on the first phone that had them. It was uh, one of those Nextel phones. So the ones that had the walkie talkie in it. It was super fun to work on. I got to do a lot of innovative things, building graphics libraries and user interface libraries for mobile applications. Um, and so yeah, once um, eventually as my career Career progressed, like as mobile applications became such a huge part of every company and everybody's lives, um, I had a lot of experience building those. And so it was uh, fortunate that I was able to leverage that in my career. Um, the experience working at Motorola as an engineer, it actually was great. Motorola did a really good job of hiring um, and there were a lot of new young people that came in around the same time. Um, so there was a great camaraderie and I wasn't the only girl that was joining at that time, but we had um, a sand volleyball league and other things. So they did a really good job of making it inclusive and having things like, if they're gonna hire all these young people, they had a lot of activities and groups and lunches and other things to make those young people feel included and to build kind of that network so it was a good Company experience. culture is so important that's right and I and it's interesting right so you started in app development and then you throughout your career one of the, the highlights was senior VP at Bottle Rocket that's which right. is known for their apps for big airlines big hotels how does one get from or maybe like three lessons that you kind of got <laughs> moving from software engineer all the way to senior VP. Sure. Well, first of all, I was an executive vice president at mm. Bottle Rocket, so let's just clarify that. Got it. But um, but no, actually, it, it, Bottle Rocket was an amazing experience because I got to work on so many amazing brands. Like you said, um, we did built the Southwest Airlines application. We built the very first Chick Fil A application, the first NBC streaming application. Like really, some um, amazing experiences that I had and being able to leverage the learnings from one of those brands to some of the others, even in different industries, was tremendous and really helped set Bottle Rocket apart and um, helped, you know, uh, our, our engineers were really good, but also we had a good ability to kind of leverage our experience in order to grow and um, expand for our next set of customers. So let's see, my advice and like how I got there and what my recommendations would be, it's Honestly, like bloom where you're planted. So whatever opportunity you're given, wherever you are, just make the most of it. Do what you can and do your very best work no matter what. Secondly, I think it's really important to build your tribe, build an, a group of people that support you. And for me, like I've always found affinity and there's so few women that for to build affinity among the women that are working together, that's always worked really well for me, building that community and figuring out how to support each other, both before the meeting, in the meeting, and then after the meeting, making sure that you kind of have that, um, that full gamut of, of support from, from your tribe. And then lastly, I think it's developing others, making sure that you're looking out for um, those coming behind you as well and making sure you're giving them the support to be able to grow themselves and like, you know, uh, mentoring or, you know, if you are a manager, being able to help develop the people that work for you, even reaching across the organization and trying to identify people who might need a little extra boost in order to be successful. Any challenges that you face along that journey? What was something critical that you, you learned like a difficult lesson from? 
I mean, so many, right? <laughs> yeah, we can't get to these high places without mistakes and challenges. Exactly, and I will tell you that I really try and take every um, mistake, every misstep as a learning opportunity. And with that, once I've learned from it, I try to write it off and not to let it really think about it too much. I try and focus on the future, you know, learn from my mistakes and then move on. So um, let's see, mistakes, gosh, like I said, I've made so many. It's <laughs> it's really difficult to try and pick just one. I think, um, yeah, I, I definitely, I don't know, Fanny. <laughs> like, mm, I feel okay. like there, there, there was one um, where there was um, somebody working for me and um, they had this new idea that they wanted to try out. And it was a politically difficult idea within the company. It would have mm. caused some rip ripples across the company as far as the way th we'd always done things. And it wouldn't have just been even in my group, it would have perva been pervasive. And so I shut the idea down and I've always regretted that. And I think like I try now to take the learning from that is like, you know what, I should have given this person the freedom to be able to try it and see what worked and that maybe it'll be a learning experience for all of us. And maybe we would have gotten buy-in and everybody would have been excited by the new idea. Um, eventually we did implement it, but it was years later. And so I, uh, I, yeah, I always think back on that one and wish I'd handled it differently, but definitely have learned from it and try to make sure not, you know, yeah. not to make the same mistake again. Well, as technologists, we're kind of groomed and educated to follow a straight line, right? Everything's black and white, A to B to C to D, and you would think it's linear, but I would think that as you're developing these apps, there is a side that is about creativity, about user experience, things that cannot be you know, immediately predicted. How do you balance that kind of like rigidness of the tech with the creativity and the user adaptability of the apps. Yeah, I will say um, I've worked with you know hundreds of software developers, yeah. and at first, when I first start working with them, very often they're very protective of their code, right? They want it to be perfect. They feel like this is you know a personal attack if they get any feedback on the code that they've written. And so even trying to get into the regular you know a cadence of code reviews, getting feedback, accepting feedback, giving positive and constructive feedback to others, like it's a really difficult process. But ultimately, those are the things that are going to make us better, right? If is learning from the things that we could have done better. And so I think it's pervasive in the you know more modern digital product development cycle that exists today is you try things and you see what works and you learn from that and then you use that to grow. Um, the whole concept of you know building an MVP, you build something small so you can try it out and then you iterate and improve it over time. And I think that's true not only for products, but for teams themselves, I think teams over time learn how to work better with each other. They learn what works and what doesn't, what people's strengths are and how they can take advantage and leverage those in order to have the very best team possible. So I think, it, yeah, it's something that we can use in all parts of our lives, really, if we can figure out how to learn and grow constantly. You mentioned feedback. Any tips on how to give or receive feedback <laughs> better? It's always tough, and I think mm -hmm. the most important thing is to know the yeah. audience. Um, so there are different people accept feedback in different ways. And so one thing um, one of my prior bosses used to say is to ask first, is it okay if I give you some feedback? Mm -hmm. That way you're opening the door and they know that this is gonna be a feedback moment instead of just like, 
you really screwed that up or whatever, you know, really like, is it okay if I give you some feedback? That way they're in the right mindset to receive the feedback. Mm -hmm. I think another thing that we can do is to um, really be yeah, cognizant of who you're giving the feedback to and how, how they might be feeling. And so really, it's not just the empathy, but different personality types will receive feedback in different ways. And so really thinking through, is this a data-centric person? You may wanna be thinking through like, you know, here's the data of why I want, you know, this, um, this feedback, I want this to be different. And then last, I think it's really important to give the positive feedback um, as much as possible. It was really funny. I had this person who worked for me um, for a, the longest time. I mean, I think it was like seven years or something. And they used to always say, well, you never give me positive feedback. And I'm like, that's not true. I can think of four things just this week. Like, and it's only Wednesday. <laughs> like, yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. And he, they're like, oh, well, I didn't, rec I didn't realize that that was positive feedback. And so, I mean, learning yeah. moment for me to figure out how to capture my words better so that it was more obvious that it was uh, positive feedback. But then also, like, how do I take capture the moment and make sure that I'm really, you know, delivering the message in a way that it's being received the way I intended? So. And it's funny, as human beings, sometimes we the good stuff we don't hear as loudly, <laughs> but true. we hear the negative stuff like super loudly too, right? That's right. And yeah. so it's like, yes, yeah. by the way, I want to give you some positive feedback <laughs> yes. and blah, blah, blah. Oh, Please note, this you. is positive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost like feedback got a bad rap, <laughs> That's that right. word itself. Uh, I want to pause real quick here and give a special shout out to one of our sponsors, CG Infinity. I've worked with them for several years now, and I can truly say that they have one of the best workplace cultures that I've ever experienced. And they specialize in a variety of industries, especially energy, utilities, and financial services. And they serve them through their Salesforce, cloud, as well as customer experience services. So thank you, CG Infinity and I hope you'll support them as they have supported us here at the podcast. Um, now, you're a self-proclaimed introvert, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like many of my people. <laughs> yes, well, technologists in general, right? Like we, we value knowledge, we're studying, we're you know, getting the education, getting the skills, getting the certifications, That's right? right. Um, but as you know, right, I think we talked about the visibility, right? Getting visibility in the workplace. What were some things that kind of help you get over that kind of, you know, introvertness <laughs> and, and gain more visibility, right? Because the climb up the IT ladder <laughs> definitely needs visibility. No, you're absolutely right. And it's something that like I, I've seen, right? Is that mm -hmm. it's really important to be visible. However, as an introvert, honestly, I'd rather people just didn't notice me. Like I'd like to just do a good job and be quiet and like nobody notice me. But the reality is we're not gonna make any effective change if we're not visible because there's so few women in my field that I think it's a responsibility that all of us have to be more visible, be more speak out. If anybody asks me to go talk to a school, oh my gosh, yes. Absolutely, I will talk to students all day long because that's the only way we're gonna get girls interested in moving into these careers is if they think they're not gonna be the only one when they get there. Um, and so building those support systems for them, making sure that they have, you know, first we spark their interest and then we support them throughout the journey so that they can Ooh, actually be spark, successful. Spark, then support. 
That's right. That. That's right. So I will do a little plug here. I work with an organization called Bold Idea here in Dallas, and we partner tech companies with um, local schools to provide an after-school coding program. And almost 50% of our um, enrollees are girls. And I think that's so much higher than like, a, you know, we're seeing in the market. And so I think it's really important for organizations like Bold Idea and uh, Girls Who Code and others to really help spark that interest with the girls young because it's still gonna be a, an upward battle to try and keep them engaged, keep them enrolled, make sure that they have the support necessary so that they don't feel alone. And part of that is all of us who are, have stuck it out that we're visible. Well, speaking of that in the corporate world, right? any tactics you think that, or like actions that we can take in the corporate world to be more visible? And so it's not, because I know a lot of people just say, I'm just gonna let my work speak for itself. <laughs> But it's, it's not enough. No, it really isn't. And so I think, like I will say, at Bottle Rocket, we had a tremendous marketing department that did a great job of building community engagement and you know, reaching out to community organizations and making sure that we were kind of you know, su supported by the community. And I think that's really important. And you know, companies should do what they can to both support local organizations, but also leverage them for recruiting. If you're trying to get more women or you're trying to you know, increase your diversity, like target some of those community-based organizations because they can really be a great partner um, to help you not just bring people in, but help you figure out how to create an inclusive environment where they can also thrive. Um, I would also say, um, most places where I've worked, I've also built either formal or informal mentoring for young women. Um, it's something that, some of the bigger companies do offer a formal mentoring program, but even if it doesn't exist, even in a smaller company, I think it's so critical because it's easy to just, you know, well, I'm the only woman on a team of 30 men. Like, it's easy to just kind of eventually feel like, you know, you're, you're not part of the group or whatever. And so I think it's important to build those connections and make sure that young women have people that they can talk to and that they feel like they, you know, are behind them. Um, so any kind of mentoring advice that you felt really helped some of your mentees? I don't know about that. We'd have to ask them, mm. but I will say- Or maybe oh, what are typical questions they come to you with? Sure, yeah, some of the typical questions would be, you know, I just feel like they don't listen to me. I feel like, you know, I say something and then some guy says the same thing right after me. And I was like, oh, tell me about it. Because that happens all the time. And I think one thing that I do and I encourage all of my mentees and honestly anybody I can tell to, to do is to repeat it, right? So if you're in a meeting, for example, with and a woman in the room says, you know, has an idea, then later, you know, well, you know, Fanny had that idea earlier. And I think that that is really good because of X, Y, and Z. We need to do what we can to amplify our voices and to support each other that way. I think that's the best way to make sure that our messages are really being heard and accepted. Um, and so I've, I use that, use that tactic in many, many, many um, environments. And so far, it's been pretty successful. Yeah. Well, this is one of the platforms that I hope to, to amplify messages from, from female and male technologists. Uh, because I think you and I also talked about how, yes, to give visibility to women. And at the same time, we've kind of come up through the ranks with male advocates that have also That's helped us along the way. 
right? Having those kind of advocates from the other side um, lift us up too. Any thoughts around that? No, that's 100% true. I will tell you, I am lucky enough that most of the advocates I've had have been bosses that I've had who have, for whatever reason, they saw something and they supported me. And like, I really, there are a couple that I still consider um, very trusted advisors that I will call for advice even now after we haven't worked together 10, 15 years. Yeah. Like, I still find a lot of value in their insights and support. And so I think, um, yeah, as far as, not everybody is going to be your advocate, but if you find somebody, like stick with them and make sure that you're like keeping that relationship going because it'll continue to pay off forever. Absolutely. So I'm curious as you kind of navigate this journey, you've kind of come up through all the ranks, right? What's, what do you look forward to now? <laughs> You know, it's funny, like I, as a young girl, you know, graduating high school, going to the University of Michigan, studying computer engineering, I honestly never considered that I would be an executive vice president someday. That is just never a thing that occurred to me. I just wanted to write code. Mm. And so I, at this point, I'm so thankful that I've had all of these amazing opportunities. Um, I've been able to work on some crazy, awesome brands. I've worked with some tremendous people. So honestly, at this point in my life, I want to work with great people. I want to work on a cool product. I want to bring my, you know, leverage my skills and, you know, the experience that I've had. And yeah, I want to have fun. You mentioned great people. What do you think constitutes a, a great team makeup? Oh, I always look for the learning culture, right? How are we giving back? How are we making sure that we're investing in the growth of our teams? Are we learning from each other? Are we open to new ideas? Are we engaged with each other? Like that's a healthy team culture for me. Like I definitely, you know, I want to stay away from the top down, you know, this is how we're doing things and really like enable that collaboration, discussion. Yeah. And really build that learning culture. I think it's critical. It's really a totally different leadership style, right? Nowadays. What have you, have you kind of seen it morph over the years, the I leadership have. styles? So yes, absolutely. Um, but I think it's funny because it's like, for me anyway, it was just kind of natural, right? Mm -hmm. I want to hire people that are smarter than me and then I want to set them free to be able to do their very best work. Mm -hmm. um, if you're looking for book recommendation, I definitely recommend Multipliers. For me, it was really profound, helped me really kind of contextualize some things that I had been thinking in my own head. Um, and so I think it's all about how, you know, there's people that you've worked with in your life that make you feel like you could do anything. There are other people maybe you've worked with in your life that you just feel like you're never good enough and nothing you do is ever good enough. And I think we should all aspire to be the first kind, right? We all not aspire to be a multiplier. Maybe we're not gonna be perfect. Maybe we're gonna constantly have to be improving ourselves in order to be that multiplier. But we need to do what we can because that's how the team is gonna do their best work. They're all engaged, working together, and they feel like they have your support. So yes, I think it is something that is kind of new, but it's needed and necessary. And I think we're getting so much more um, not just productivity, but engagement out of our teams to where they feel like they're part of something that's bigger than just like, oh, I'm gonna build this library. No, they're actually building a product and they can see the impact of that product. They can see how customers are using it and you know feeling excited about the work they're doing. So I think, yeah, it, it, it is a change, but it's much needed. Your passion for product development is contagious, <laughs> Amy. <laughs> I love it. Well, 
speaking of that, because we, we live by our phones, right? And in creating apps, in the continual development of them, what do you kind of see on the horizon for apps or trends or things that you've kind of noticed kind of seeping in? Gosh, I think if I only knew the answer to that question, I would be a rich lady. And I think like everybody's trying to figure out what is the next big thing. So for sure, AI is going to continue to be a bigger and bigger part of applications, both from a personalization and recommendation st standpoint, as well as helping to figure out what you might need and when you might need it and how to get it to you more quickly, you know, really taking all of that data, aggregating it in a way that feels seamless to you as the user. Um, I also think like a lot of um, the text-based entry and other things that we're kind of used to, I think that's going to translate and be more voice-based eventually over time. And I think that, um, yeah, it, it, eventually maybe we don't even have a device. Maybe things just, you know, happen. I don't know. Like maybe we don't need a screen. I'm not sure. It'll be interesting to kind of see what that future looks like. But right now, I think we just have a couple little glimpses of maybe what's coming, but who knows? I mean, yeah, about a year ago, we would have all thought that blockchain was going to be take over everything. And now it's like, well, it's still there, but it's like it's not taking over the world. So adoption plays happens. into it, right? Or lack of adoption. That's right. That's exactly mm -hmm. right. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, this show is called Tech Legacies, Amy. What, what do you want your legacy to be? <sighs> That's so hard, Danny, because honestly, mm. I just... I want to use technology for good and whatever that means. Is it helping provide job opportunities and career development for um, our youth in Dallas? Is it helping, you know, build engaged and, you know, teams that are building amazing products? Or is it helping more young women, um, you know, find their way and build a career in technology? I think it's, it's all of these things, right? And how one person, I can only do a little bit of all of those things. But if everybody does a little bit of all of the things they're passionate about, it has a ripple effect and we can all make a big difference. And everybody be visible about it. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> so their message gets heard. Well, thank you so much for your time, Amy. And for all of you out there, be sure to connect and look up Amy Chakluski on LinkedIn and uh, definitely connect with her and we hope it inspires you to be more visible in your workplace as well as your community. So thank you for tuning in to the Tech Legacies podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Tech Legacies, as well as to follow our podcast platforms on Spotify, Apple, and the other podcast platforms. Thank you, everyone. See you next time. At Tech Legacies, we're all about helping technology professionals grow and succeed in their careers by sharing the advice of top technology executives. If you're looking to take your career to the next level and become a technology executive yourself, we have an exciting program to tell you about. It's called the Tech CXO Excellence Program by Tech CXO Launchpad, and they are our partners. They're offering an immersive, multimodal program developed and taught by current and former CIOs and CTOs who are passionate about building the next generation of C-suite technology executives. And you'll experience a full immersion 
into the C-suite world and also get to collaborate, network, and experience capstone-style projects with other professionals. And this is all while benefiting from face-to-face -face interactions in person with industry guest speakers. It is exclusively for a new level of C-suite executives and C-level direct reports and second directs who are earmarked for succession planning and career growth. To join their waitlist, register your interests at www.techcxolaunchpad.com. That's techcxolaunchpad.com. This program has everything you need to take your career to the next level.